Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Busy time of year for a lot of us as we close in on the end of another school year. Graduation happens today for many. Um, farmers are out in the fields uh, pushing it hard to get the crop in, and uh, plenty of us have some yard work or garden work to do, and all kinds of other things going on. Um, my schedule personally has actually eased up a bit already, and I uh, had a u- unique opportunity come my way here just uh, this coming week to go to a pastor's retreat in Wisconsin. And so I'll be taking off after the service and heading that direction. Part of that retreat involves unplugging from technology. And uh, that means shutting off the cell phone and uh, the internet. And so what I'm telling you is call Ryan or Annie. Uh, They're going to be lonely without me anyway, right? Uh, Seriously, my my wife uh, will be able to get a hold of me if there's an emergency that I need to know about. The uh, text... For our passage, our scripture today is actually in 2 Peter chapter 3. But uh, in leading up to that here, this next Thursday is the day we call Ascension Day. Forty days after Easter and, and Jesus rising from the dead, he ascended back into heaven. And his mission on earth was complete. And that's what we just sung about in that last hymn. All his work is ended. Joyfully we sing, Jesus has ascended. Glory to the King. We confess that also in the Apostles' Creed today. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God, the Father, where he'll come again to judge the living and the dead. And uh, the scripture reading from Acts today as well, then told of Ascension Day, and the disciples there watching as Jesus rose up into the heavens and, and disappeared into the clouds, and how they gazed on intently after him. And then there were two men in white that stood before him and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come just in the same way as you watched him go into heaven. Well, ever since then, Christians have waited and wondered, when will that be? And especially when times get tough here on the earth, uh, there is that word that goes up to heaven for which our church is actually named, Maranatha, which means, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Well, not only have Christians waited for Christ's return, but also skeptics have have mocked Christians because we're still waiting. And we're going to read about that as we look in in 2 Peter chapter 3 today. I invite you to look there with me, beginning with verse 3. And would you stand in reverence to God's word as I read today? Second Peter 3, verse 3, knowing, or Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues, just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water 
through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the work you accomplished here on the earth as you lived the perfect life none of us could, and as you suffered and died on the cross in our place, as you rose from the grave and you ascended back into heaven. And Lord, we wait for your return. Uh, we pray that as we meditate on this passage of scripture today, that you would sharpen our focus on those things. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> We're told here that in the last days there will be mockers mocking. Another translation says there will be scoffers scoffing. And I don't know why, but as I read that, I couldn't help but think of, you know, just like 12 drummers drumming or 11 pipers piping. Mockers. Uh, that's what they do. They mock. And, and so we ought to expect them to do that then. And, and, you know, I guess some of us see that regularly. For instance, there's one particular Fargo Forum editor that just irks me as he regularly mocks Christianity and traditional moral values. In the morning and late night talk shows pretty often do the same. Mocking Christianity certainly seems on the increase in our country, and it will be in the last days. But now, as we think of that terminology, just what does it mean? What does it mean biblically, the, the last days? Well, the last days of school might refer to the last week, or maybe even the last month, right? And the last days of winter, well, that kind of got stretched this year quite a bit from what some of us had in mind, as God had a different plan. Last days is, is really a general term, isn't it? Without clear limits. So biblically, j just when are the last days and are we living in them? I, I appreciate what uh, Lucas and Green's commentary said on this. It summed it up well. said this, The last days is standard New Testament shorthand for the period between the first and the second comings of Jesus Christ. There's similar wording in, in 1 Timothy 3 and in other passages. It's talking about the last days. And there it says, but realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. So are we living in the last days? Well, we certainly are according to that definition of between the uh, first coming and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And just how long then are those last days? Well, only the Father in heaven knows. 
But there is no doubt that we're getting closer to the very last days. And for us who are believers in Jesus Christ, and even for those who aren't, that will mean then we're getting ever nearer also to his return. Now about those mockers mocking. Who, who will follow those mockers? If you look back in chapter 2, there it tells us that many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. And so in that passage, we're reminded of their motivation here for their mocking. And, and here in verse 3 of our text today, it tells us also what their motivation is. It says they're following after their own lusts. Again, Lucas and Green sums this up here. It says, although these people may present themselves as sophisticated and knowledgeable, having delicate qualms and, and posing courageous questions um, about the more difficult elements of Christian teaching. They are in reality driven by their own greed and disobedience. It is sin and not sophistication, which is in the driving seat and the false teachers are merely following, end quote. They're following after their own lusts and evil desires. And they have a worldview then that is devoid of God as creator and of God as the one that they're answerable to. And so then, among other things, they will mock the promise of the return of Jesus Christ, saying, well, where's the promise of his coming? And by the way, his coming there, that, that word in the Greek is its word parousia, which, which actually means his appearing. Um, so when Jesus is again visible, and so they say, well, we don't see him. Where is he? What's he waiting for? It all must be a hoax. After all, everything just continues as it was. Well, you see, if you don't believe in God, and you don't believe then in the supernatural, then you see it all as a closed system. And God doesn't enter into it, and he doesn't intervene in the affairs of men. And as I think about the perspective then of the scoffers or mockers, many of them uh, believe that there is no creation, there, there's no fall into sin, there, there's no judgment, there's no salvation, there's no eternity, there's no absolute morality either. And so then it's an inevitable hallmark of no longer believing in the second coming that then ethics becomes really a matter of private choice and taste. And key issues then are, are things like self-expression and fulfillment rather than living pure lives in obedience. Well, doesn't that summarize really much of where our society is, is coming from these days. And what Peter says here regarding the mockers is this. Basically, they lack biblical literacy. And, and, and thus, they fail to notice some essential things. God definitely has entered human history in the past. And, and the Bible gives us all kinds of examples where God just spoke and, and, and things happened. And so, he points to some of them here. And we see in Scripture then that God's Creative word brought into being the heavens and formed the earth out of water and by water. And Genesis chapters 1 and 2 tell us about that and how God just spoke and the separation occurred that formed the continents and they were separated by the great oceans. And later in Genesis, and after mankind fell into sin and most turned their back on God, then it tells us about God's judicial word which brought judgment then through the great flood that destroyed 
uh, most of the world, except for Noah's family and, and the animals on the ark. Well, Peter goes on to say here then in verse 7, that by this same God's word, the present heavens and earth are, be, are being reserved for something. You know, when something is reserved, then word has been given, it's been set aside, right? For instance, I have reservations at a retreat facility this coming week. And I'm counting on that when I get there around 8 o'clock tonight, um, there's going to be a room set aside for me. They gave me their word. Now, maybe you've had this happen. I have uh, on a rare occasion it's happened that um, had reservations lined up at a motel and you get there and they've lost your reservation. That will not happen here because it's God that lined up the reservation. And he has said that the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire and for the day of judgment of the ungodly. And his judicial word has declared that and he will bring it about. And we don't know just when, nor exactly how, but global warming is definitely coming someday. And it won't be just heating up a couple of degrees. It'll be decisive, it'll be catastrophic, and there will be no stopping it. And three times in this text here, Peter mentions this will happen. You see it there in verse 7. By his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. You look at verse 10, and it comes up again that this will come, and the heavens and earth will pass away. And in verse 11 as well, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way. It's very clear here. Judgment is coming for the ungodly, for those that have no time for God. But also Peter reminds believers in Jesus Christ here that, that by God's word, he has also promised something. He's promised a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And, and his creative word will one day accomplish this. Now think about it. If he created the heavens and the earth once with just his word, certainly he can do it again, can't he? And it will be awesome. It will be awesome compared to anything we've ever known. And we get a glimpse of that when you look at the end of the scriptures here in, in Revelation chapter 21. There it tells us about that. And it says that, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, he tells about. And, and they heard this voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And he goes on to then explain the things that will be new. Um, he'll wipe away every tear. There'll no longer be death or, or crying or pain. Those first things have passed away. And he says, I'm making all things new. So what about those mockers and the things that they say then? Like, well, where is this promise of Christ's return? Why hasn't it taken place yet? Well, what we see in Scripture is that God has a sovereign plan and he has perfect timing. And he's not bound by our concept of time. Remember now, he was around before time on earth even began. And one day, time on the earth will come to an end. And a new concept then called eternity will be ushered in. In the Psalms, it tells us that our earthly lives in general are 70-some years. Or 80 or more if we're extra blessed. In comparison to that, though, just think of it, eternity is forever. And, and so you see then, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And now some 
wrongly use this verse. And they try to explain away the uh, Genesis account of the six-day creation, thinking, well, we need a gap in here of thousands of years between when God created the earth and the animals and so on and when he created mankind. But you know, that simply does not line up with the rest of Scripture. This verse is simply spelling out that, that a long wait for us is really just a blink for the eternal God. So why has Christ not yet returned? His patience is the reason. He wishes for none to perish. That judgment day that will follow Christ's return will result in, in those who have rejected God and his word throughout their earthly life and who have refused to believe in his son as a savior from, from sin. Um, they will be condemned to hell for eternity. And that is a very sobering scriptural truth. And so if, if Christ returned today, some would be condemned to hell. And God has chosen so far then to give them, those that are living here on the earth now, more time. More time to turn to him. Because you see, he is an extremely patient God and he desires all to come to repentance. And he takes no pleasure in judgment and when his judgment comes, it is always deserved. And you might say, well, God condemns no one to hell, they condemn themselves to hell by their refusal to believe. And that's really what it tells us in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, where it says, He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, do you remember our Lenten theme here at Maranatha this, this last year? Who needs repentance? Well, the answer, as we looked throughout Scripture at various examples in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is that everyone needs repentance. From Adam and Eve till the end of time as we know it, humanity stands in need of repentance. And repentance really then is a basic condition for entrance into the kingdom of God. But it is not something that we can just generate in and of ourselves. It comes as we hear God's word and the Holy Spirit then works through it to show us our own sinful condition and bring about then a change of heart and mind and bring us then to trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. I like how Joseph Stump summed it up. He said this, and I quote, Repentance is that act of the Holy Spirit by which through the law and the gospel he works a change of mind in the sinner so that he comes to contrition of his sins and to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. This change of mind then affects the intellect, the emotions, and the will. And that change of mind is what our world so needs today. While God continues to be patient and he waits for more to come to repentance. However, one day, time will be up. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, it says here. Now, thieves don't generally tell you when they're going to show up, do they? And, and that's why we take some precautions to, to keep our property from being robbed. Well, Jesus Christ has not announced when he will return. And so it's best to then take precautions and to be ready for whenever it is by, by turning to him now in repentance and faith while we're still breathing. 
Well, how about for us who are Christians, who are believers in Jesus today? What should we do while we wait for that day? Our Maranatha motto says, making disciples of Jesus Christ while we wait for his return. Let me add to that this. Look up, look at our own life, and look around at people as well. And let's start with that last one. Look around. See the many who have not yet come to repentance. Jesus talked of the fields that are white unto harvest. And, and now we're in planting season, and that seems like a concept a bit removed for us right now. But really both are part of spreading the gospel. We continue to sow seeds of God's word in our daily interaction with people. We do it in, in our homes as we read Bible stories at bedtime or devotions together when we can. We do it at church here as we have Sunday school and vacation Bible school and confirmation and youth group and adult fellowships as well. And, and sometimes those groups then become kind of entry points to church involvement and, and introductions to the concept of a personal relationship with God. And, and occasionally, we also then get to be part of the harvest as people come then to personal repentance and faith in Jesus. And, and so continue to look around and, and to be a witness and, and continue to invite people to come here to Maranatha. Also, though, look at our own life and consider just how we're living and to be sure then to live in daily repentance and faith, seeking to live lives of integrity and live pointing others to Christ. And then also look up and anticipate. Anticipate and hasten the day, it tells us in verse 12. And as things get more and more troubling here below, remember there is this day coming when we leave all this behind and all things become new. And what a day that will be. And I appreciate the song we sung at the beginning here today too. Till he returns and calls me home. Here in the power of Christ we stand. When we know a personal relationship with Jesus, we know he is here with us as we go through the challenges of this life. But we also anticipate the day when we'll be with him in glory. Let us pray. Lord God, we just thank you for your word today. And, and Lord, you know each one of us and you know our hearts. And if there be somebody here today who is not living in repentance and faith in Jesus. We pray that even your law today would, would remind them that uh, this world as we know it will come to an end. And there will be a day of judgment someday. And we need to be ready for that. And Lord, I pray that you would draw their hearts to recognize then that Jesus, in, in love for them, came and suffered on the cross, died that, that they could be forgiven of sin. And Lord, we ask that uh, you would help us as Christians to, to live our lives always with that perspective of, of eternity in mind. And Lord, that we would not become so attached to the things of this world that we uh, overlook what we're really here for. And that is that we would be living for you and spreading the gospel that would point others to the hope that we have in Jesus. That they would come to repentance of sin and, and faith in him and be ready for eternity. We thank you for your word, and we pray that you would sharpen our ears, that we would hear it, that we would uh, take it in on a daily basis, and, and the result, Lord, would be that, that uh, we live our lives with, with eternity in view each day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.